Thank you, Lord. Some things we learn from the past. Some things we, we use past victories as a launching pad for future things. Uh, some things, though, in the future are not to be compared with the way they have been because that would be a limitation. It would be a limitation. Even past victories are somewhat of a limitation. I mean, they give you confidence that God will do it again, but never be limited by what has been uh, as if that's the potential of God, as if all that, that's all that there can be. No, no, no. Let's not be tied, of course, to the failures and the, 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 the bad things, but let's not even be completely tied to those things where we've had success and victory because our vision needs to expand and grow and get beyond those areas so that God can do more than before. Amen. Oh, thank you, Lord. I tell you what, Ephesians tells us that in the ages to come, He's going to show us His grace. Ages to come. I don't even know what that means. I mean, honestly, I, can't, I, don't, I know there's like a millennium coming and something after that, but ages. I mean, there's stuff to come that God's got in His mind and He didn't tell us. He just said, I'm going to keep showing you my grace. Amen. And I have a feeling we're not getting downgraded. I think we get raptured out, we go, you know, it gets better. I think we come back with the Lord in the, in the millennium, it gets better. I think after that, you know, after Satan's, you know, in the lake of fire. I mean, we got forever, but it's, I just don't see this in the Lord that we're going down for a while. No, no, no. Amen. So like the Ecclesiastes says, uh, uh, it says it in some some form that I can't quote exactly but basically it it, um, it says something about uh, not remembering or recalling the former days uh, le- with the impression of like oh longing for them it's kind of it's the good old days mentality oh you remember when it was so good you remember back then if you've had some positive experiences in your life be thankful for them you can have warm fuzzy feelings about them and uh and, 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 and that, but never make it the pinnacle. Never make that it. Oh man, when I experienced this, man, that was it. No, it's not. That was one of a series of it's. And, and they keep getting to be better it's. Amen. <laughs> I feel like laughing. Because <laughs> I got joy. Say it out loud. Ha, ha, ha. Say ha, ha, ha. <laughs> ah, glory to God. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, go ahead and be seated for a moment. Or two or three, I think. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's so good. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Amen. The Lord wants to show us more, doesn't he? Amen. Let me say something along these lines and then we'll see. I might switch gears from there. Uh, How many could identify a time or maybe times in your life that really stood out? And I'm not just talking about uh, natural things like a, you know you got married or got your driver's license or <laughs> or uh, you know not just natural things I'm talking about more uh, in your relationship with God and and not just referring to the point of your salvation okay obviously that's like 
a positive. Okay? But since you've been saved in walking with the Lord, you could identify, and I'm not going to ask you to, but if, if you were asked directly, tell me about a time in your walk with God where it really stands out to you. Just lift your hand if you, if you could identify that you've had something like that. Okay? Okay, that's lots of hands, if, if not all the hands. I don't know. Don't be condemned if your hand wasn't up. <laughs> um, I know that I, I can, I'm totally on board with that. I can identify certain times. It's like there's, uh, it's like those rogue waves in the ocean. You know, all of a sudden here comes, it's, they're dangerous to like cruise ships and stuff. You know, just all of a sudden you got these waves and then you got this big one that comes along. And, uh, and sometimes that seems to happen in our walk with God as we continue with him. I mean, we're good, and we're fellowshipping with the Lord, and and uh, you know, growing in our in our spiritual life and everything. But all of a sudden, something comes along, and it's like it's bigger than everything else. And it's uh, and sometimes I, I think there's there's some things that can trigger that. Maybe it's uh, I don't want to take anything away from God, just going hi and just saying, here you go. Uh, I know in my life some of the things that triggered that um, and I, I do say it's God because he stirs a desire inside uh, one of those times with me it, it had to do with um, really pressing in and worshiping him more than before where I just I couldn't get I couldn't wait to get in church and lift my hands I couldn't wait to get back home and get alone and I'd get down on my knees and I just lift my hands and say, Lord, you're good to me. I love you. And that was one of those times in my life. It's like, blip. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't think really that we go too far with God as far as these things without being a, a true worshiper. You just find that a consistent characteristic of people who are moving forward in God. They, they love to praise Him and worship Him. There's something about it. It's wild. I mean, it's not even do, it doesn't even do anything for us. It's like we're giving it to Him. And something happens so deep in us. Other times I can see those, those uh, blips in a positive way um, had to do with learning something new. When I became exposed to a new, not new, but new to me, Bible truth. When all of a sudden, and, and a lot of times it was through another person. I heard someone teach something and it just like lit a fire in me. Like, wow, wow, that's been there this whole time. You know, and then it's like, grr, I should have known that before. How come I didn't know that? Man, that's amazing. And a lot of times a revelation of truth is something that, man, it will just light your fire. It'll take you up, and uh, these are powerful things. Sometimes, you know, it's just other uh, moves of God's Spirit. Maybe happened in a service, maybe happened on your own. Uh, I remember one time was a, was a prayer thing with me. And again, I give all the glory to God, but my only part was yielding. And, and the Lord started moving on me in prayer. And I, it was one of those times, like I said with the worship earlier, but this was years later, uh, I couldn't wait to get home and pray. I mean, how many Christians testify of that every day? <laughs> not near enough. <laughs> but literally, and I'm not saying I'm that way every day where I just, 
I just can't get, get wait to pray. Uh, but this, t- but during this time, it was that way, and I couldn't wait to I, I, to get home. And I'd come, I'd get alone, and I'd hit my knees. And I'm not always a knee guy. I mean, I like to walk, <laughs> probably because I preach, and so I'm used to being up in church. Uh, and uh, but I would kneel, and just pray, and just time was not an issue. Wasn't looking at the clock. Okay, how long's that been now? No, it's just roaring out of me like, whoo, glory to God. And these things are valuable to us. These things are important. I believe the Lord wants to give us some of those rogue waves. <laughs> some of those, you know, high points where there's a season. There's an emphasis. There's a yieldedness on our part. And there's a giving on His part that just takes us up. Man, I tell you what, you guys, I'm looking forward to that uh, tomorrow. Yeah. I, I'm I mean, I wouldn't plan it on saying that. That's just, I'm thinking, that'd be a good time for a good blip. Hey. Hey. Didn't Jesus teach us that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled? What about those who aren't hungry? Well, I know this from my my kids sometimes when we're sitting down to eat. Uh, Sometimes they say, I'm not hungry. What do you mean you're not hungry? Aren't people always hungry? No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, sometimes their, their food's sitting there and they're taking these little nibbles. And uh, What's going on? What, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm not very hungry. Well, when you're not very hungry, not much happens. Hmm. But when you're hungry, talking physically, if you're physically hungry, you will find something to eat. Yeah. Right? If you are hungry enough, the things you don't like don't sound too bad. Right? Guarantee if we're hungry enough, a lot of us, some of us would eat broccoli if we got hungry enough. (laughs) But now watch. Jesus talked about hungering and thirsting after righteousness and being filled. When there's something inside of us that cries out, that thirst that says, ah, I want some of this. I believe God has... He wants to. He's obligated himself. He's created the kingdom that way. And he responds to that. And he responds to that. We call out to him. And he answers. Amen. And he gives us, a, he gives us that, that, that blip that we need. Amen. I don't know if... Yeah, it's, it, it seems to, to be, you know, even what we said earlier about people feeling like drying, you know, they're drying up or their, you know, their resources are drying up. Some of that might be the natural side, but some of it's even just walk, just walking with the Lord. You've just been kind of drying up. I'm not talking about positionally losing your salvation or anything like that. I'm talking about walking with the Lord, just not as rich. Not as rich, not as fresh, not as wet as it ought to be. And in the presence of the Lord, there's a refreshing. In the presence of the Lord, there's a renewing. Let it work in you. Let it work a desire. A desire. This is not what we do in here, even if we worship for an hour. We do some of these things. This is not a... This is not the pinnacle of the Christian life. It must be something we do on a consistent basis. What we get 
in a in a good believers meeting often is the boost to do that tomorrow. Everybody with me? It's kind of like uh, if you study church history, you will know that there have been different moves of God that had a certain emphasis in the past. You know, like over the last hundred years, the you know baptism in the Holy Spirit at the you know Azusa Street and different things like that, and then healing moves and what they they men men have given it different names: the charismatic movement, the teaching movement, or faith deals, and all this kind of stuff. What you can see, though, in looking and seeing these different waves and moves is that God basically is giving the church a boost in an area they were lacking. I mean, everything that happens in a, quote, revival um, is what's supposed to be happening all the time. But people forget, they run out, they dry up. And they leave out certain aspects of God that are supposed to be present in every believer. And so God in His kindness and His goodness and mercy, He says, here you go. And all of a sudden, well, there it is again. Ah, I like that. Nice. What's it what's the, to, to what end though? That when the splash is gone, we keep going. That when the little extra push is over, we say, okay, that's normal. That's the way I'm supposed to live. Don't lose that and keep going. Amen. And so, I don't know, maybe if some come into some of these Wednesday night meetings and you get you come to get your fix, <laughs> you know, that's good, that's fine. You know, you get that boost, you get get the goosebumps again, you know. Get to where you're sensing God's presence. Good, but don't let it leave on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. It's kind of like if a person wants to be healthy from a nutrition standpoint, they can't eat junk, 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 good meal. Junk, 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 junk. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the way for someone to be nutritious is it would need to be flipped. It's not that they could never eat any junk, but the norm has to be eat good meal, right? And then they would have a healthy body. All right? When it comes to our walk with God, it can't be flesh, 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 carnal, 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 you know, worldly, 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 worry, worry, fear, fear, doubt, doubt, all this stuff. We, that's the way we live. It's what we exist in. And then we pop into church faith. Victory, hallelujah, anointing, woo, what's happening? My spiritual life is not healthy, all right? It's just, uh, it's supposed to be a continuation, amen. Maybe it's kind of like going out to eat. You know, I mean, assuming most of you eat most of your meals at home, right? Going out to eat is the special thing, that's going to church. In other words, having somebody else prepare the meal for you. Somebody else stir it up, help you stir it up and, and get some stuff. Why? Because that's the only time in the week we eat. Not supposed to be. We're supposed to go home and cook. Go home and make your own food. Make your own meal. Need some consistency. I do have something else on my heart too. 
and it's in James chapter 1. So uh, I think we'll go there. I just want to make sure I don't like to be in too big a hurry. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Don't be troubled by what you see. Don't be troubled by what you see in, in, the, in the world. Don't be troubled by what you see in, in circumstances around. Come on, make God bigger than your stuff. Bigger than the problem. Because he is bigger. Amen. Let's not make the problem bigger. Keep, keep, the, keep the problem small in your eyes. Amen. Keep it small in your eyes. Because it is. Because it is in God's eyes. Small. Man, it's so small. Man, it is so small. That's the smallest thing you've ever dealt with. Well, I don't know about that, but I don't know what what you've dealt with. But listen, in the realm of eternity, in the realm of God, in the big picture, it's small. Say, does that mean it's insignificant? Well, uh, it depends on how we treat it. I mean, there's junk coming up. Depends if we make it a big deal or not. We know if the if, if you're a if you're a boxer and your opponent gets a shot on you. You know, I'm not a boxer either, but uh, you don't have to be a boxer to understand this. <laughs> uh, if you're a boxer and the, your opponent gets a clean shot right in right in the noodle. Uh, and you smile back he's getting nervous why would that be helpful for the person who got hit you're making light of his best you're making small the best he can give and if the enemy's been attacking you you've been going through it some some stuff and you come out smiling (laughs) almost with a little laugh about it What does that mean? Well, he's getting nervous. And what does it mean for us? We're putting that problem in its place. We're saying, I've got God cocked back here. (laughs) And that is just nothing. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Who does what? endures temptation does it say blessed is the man who's tempted no it's all about how we respond to temptation right the blessing is determined by the response to temptation not just the fact that we're tempted you know and and just a side note temptation there can also be broader than I have an urge I know that's, that is in the context as well, then I have an urge to do something wrong or I'm tempted to sin. It can also include uh, the man who endures a trial or a, uh, an attack of the enemy. Who's blessed? Well, the one who doesn't cave into it, the one who stands up in the middle of it, the one who endures by the word of God. Okay, that person gets blessed. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, 
Let no one say when he is tempted. And you can include, you can see the bigger picture here again. When he's tried, when he's uh, got temptations and trials and, and, and difficulties coming at him. Um, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by God. Well, why would we be told that? Why would James be writing this? Well, for the simple reason that sometimes God gets blamed for, for bad stuff that happens. Lord, why am I going through this? Man, what are you doing? No, that's incorrect. He said, don't anybody, let no one say that. Don't ever say, Lord, what are you doing? No. No, no, no. Don't blame God. He said, for God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. In other words, the, the subject there is with evil. You know, God's not using evil in your life. Well, God's just do, using this to, to uh, you know, perfect me. He's using this to help mature me. No, no, not if it's evil. Hmm. Now, the Lord will do things in our lives to help... Um, help us grow help us mature and some of those you might call a test but it's never evil it's never with a it's never with giving you a bunch of problems it's those things come in into the category of uh, he gives us direction or instruction he tells us to do something and then our response to that you could say well that was a test you could say, God tested me. How did he test you? Well, he told me to do something, and he's waiting to see if I'm going to do it. If I don't do it, I fail the test. If I do it, even if it's difficult on my flesh, if I do it, I pass the test. You pass enough tests, and they move you up to the next grade. Right? You pass enough grades, you graduate. Amen. And things get really good. But we should not be saying that this evil stuff, this junk, comes from God. No, no. Never put yourself on opposite sides of the Lord. As if He's against you in some way. As if your troubles are founded and they begin in Him. No. Stay on the Lord's side all the time. And if it's not good, it's not God. Verse 15 then when desire, let's see, verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So where, where, where does temptation begin? Our desires, doesn't it? I mean, you know, just like we can have a desire for God, a desire for His Word, desire for good things from the Lord, you can also have a desire for wrong things, all right? And that's where temptation begins. I mean, no, it doesn't begin with just the devil coming and hitting us upside the head. No, the, the, the enemy works with things inside of us. Say, well, the devil's really been attacking me. Well, hold on for a moment. How is he able to? Ooh, this is kind of this is kind of a challenging thought right here. Hold your finger there. Uh. Let's see, First Peter, First Peter five. 
1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, God? No, no, no. The devil walks about like a roaring lion. Is he a roaring lion? No, his bark is bigger than his bite. Like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Look at that. Seeking whom he may devour. What does that mean? It means he needs our permission. That means he cannot just devour you. He cannot just devour me because he wants to. Trust me, he wants to. <laughs> I mean, you, a child of God, living for him, you love God, you, even, you come to church even on a Wednesday night. Yeah, he wants to devour you. But he can't unless you let him. What is he looking for? He's looking for an opportunity. He's looking for a, an entrance into our lives. If there's nothing in me for him to work with, he can't do anything. Even temptation begins with a desire in me. And if I don't have to deal with the temptation so much as I need to deal with desires in me. If I will deal with my own desires and make sure I'm desiring, pursuing after the right things... The enemy doesn't have any way in. He can throw every temptation at me he wants. They just bounce off. It's like, yeah, whatever. So we work with a desire. But he's seeking whom he may devour. The devil's just really been devouring me. Why are you letting him? Well, that's a new thought, huh? Well, I'm just praying to God that God would stop it. Don't need to pray to God that God would stop it. I mean, you look for look at this for yourself. I mean, I don't want to just be making things up here, but is this what the Word said? He's seeking whom he may devour. Whom may he devour? Those who have something in them that he can use. That's why the next verse says, the first part of it says, resist him. Who's supposed to resist him? We are. Am I supposed to pray that the Lord would make the devil go away? No, no, never are we told that. Never in the scripture we are we pray are we to pray that way. You know, really, we're not even supposed to pray our problems away. I know that's a new concept to some as well, but uh, it, it's a biblical um, truth that we don't pray to the Lord about our problems. <laughs> Remember what Jesus said about the mountain? He said, uh, "Whosoever would pray." about their mountain and say, Lord, move my mountain. Move it into the sea. Far from me, Lord. Ask you. No. It's interesting, but Jesus didn't teach us to pray about the mountain. The mountain representing an obstacle in our way. A challenge, a big deal to us. You know, from God's perspective, it's little, but from ours, a mountain can be big. How are we supposed to deal with it? He said, whosoever shall say unto the mountain, Mark eleven twenty three. 23. In other words, I don't pray to God about the mountain. I'm supposed to speak to the mountain. I'm supposed to command that mountain to get out of my way and to get into the sea. <laughs> Amen. And that's similar to this. 
the enemy wants to attack. He wants to clean your clock and mess you up and get you off track and deprive you of necessary, necessary resources in life and, and break down your health and cause you to be emotionally uh, discouraged. And he, he wants to hit us in all of these areas. What should I do? The Bible said I should resist him. I should resist him. I said, no, not going to have it. Amen. And as James said in the fourth chapter, he said, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. He'll flee from God? No, he'll flee from us. No, in other words, God has put something inside of me that enables me to stand up toe-to-toe against the enemy, and he runs. And really, you could say this, just like the Bible says, resist the devil. I don't know about you, but I've never had a personal confrontation with the devil you know or he came to my door with a pitchfork red tail I'm the devil I had to say I resist you no how does the devil come against people alright you look at curses basically anything that's a curse that you read in the Bible curse in the earth he comes in to destroy relationships he comes in to to uh, uh, to, to deprive you of necessary re- necessary resources financially comes to hit your body comes to hit you emotionally comes to hit you in all these different areas that's how I know well, so, so when I say I resist the devil uh, that's not always just saying devil I resist you no oftentimes it's directed more specifically at how he's coming against me I resist lack I resist pain I resist temptation to whatever it is you know what I'm talking about and that can be varied whatever the circumstance coming against you you resist that negative force amen that's what Jesus did didn't he and and, and do you ever notice uh, it's Matthew 4 and it's written a couple places in the in the gospels uh, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness I like the end of the story it said, and he came out in the power of the Spirit. He went into Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's like, blessed is the man who endures temptation. What do you mean? When I take a stand against it, when I resist and I say, no, by the power, by the love, the word, authority of God, I resist, I stand. If I'll come through that, I come out in power. Say, well, wasn't Jesus always in the power of the Spirit? Well, why did it say it then? Because we might think, well, Jesus just lived 24-7 in the power of the Spirit. Well, why did it say, though, after he overcame all the temptations in his fast in the wilderness, why did it say it then? I think it's related. When you and I resist the devil... We speak the word of God. We overcome the temptations, trials, and tests that come against us. Then there is an added thrust of God's ability and power flowing through us. Amen. That'd be worth it right there. Okay, James 1, you still there? Oh, the Lord is good. He said... Verse 15, then when the desire has conceived, 
it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. How many know what we, what we don't want to constantly be dealing with is the full grown seed? I want to deal with things when they're a seed, not when they're full grown. Right? I, I, you know, you, you ever had a weed problem and you watched it for weeks and you thought, I need to get out there and get those taken care of? I really need to get out there and chop those things down or spray some weed killer on them. And you, a month later, you thought, I really need to get out there, you know. And then after a while, it was a huge job. When you finally got to it, or you waited till winter. And <laughs> but, you know, you waited so long, it became a major deal. When if we would have gone out there the first day, we'd have went, boop. You know, or squirt, squirt. Okay, done. And that's what we do oftentimes, don't we? I mean, we allow some of the enemy's thoughts and, and, and attacks against us. We just kind of look at them. Uh, that's not good. I probably ought not be thinking this way. Oh, well. And we let those thoughts go along in our mind. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it start, everything starts with a seed. It starts with that desire. It's like the person... Um, who doesn't want to, you know, the woman who doesn't want to get pregnant, but she keeps having sex. Well, keep messing around with the seed, something's going to happen. So well, I don't want a baby. You might want to try a different strategy. Why? Because you get the seed planted, you're off to the races. Right? And many times we're doing that spiritually. We're allowing these things to be planted. And the only thing, now we're just praying for abortion. Right? It's the only way to deal with it. I mean, because it's, if it's in there, it's growing. And what I'm saying about these temptations and things, I'm not saying that that's not possible. I'm just saying it's a lot more difficult. I'm not saying you can't stop things. I'm not saying things that we've allowed into our lives that we can't put the brakes on and say, uh, 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 you know, concerning these attacks of the enemy, that we can't say uh, enough is enough, I'm stopping here. But it's, you know, you're pulling on that wheat now. <laughs> Whereas before it was just nothing. Verse 16, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Look, every good and perfect gift is from above. What are we talking about? Well, look at the context. He said the bad stuff doesn't come from God. The temptations, the evil stuff, that's not from God. What is? Every good and perfect gift, that comes from God. That comes from above. That comes from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. That's what we want. Amen. God is so good. Amen. Let's look at one more one more thing here, and then we'll finish up. Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. When we're in the battle, when the temptations are coming, I tell you what, there is victory for us. We are free in Him. The Lord wants us to be free from all this stuff, have victory over it. In this chapter, it talks about Jesus. Um, 
verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So whatever we've been tempted with, Jesus was. Without what? Without sin. He didn't give in. He didn't cave. He said, it went on to say, let us therefore come boldly. In other words, because of that, Jesus understands. He understands what you're going through. It didn't come from him, but he understands. He's been here as a man. He said, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know the difference between grace and mercy? Mercy is basically uh, us not getting what we deserve. Grace is us getting what we don't deserve. All right. He covers us on both sides there. Man, you deserve some smack. He said, but go to the throne. There's mercy. You don't have to get knocked around. You don't get what you deserve. Amen. And while you're there, pick up some grace so you don't need mercy again. In other words, get some power here. Get some ability. Get some divine influence on your life that enables you to succeed enables you to to stand in the evil day there is standing grace there's overcoming grace that comes from God we'll go to him and say Lord have mercy I receive your mercy and Lord I receive your grace come boldly to the throne it's talking about coming into the presence of God we can do that right in the middle of these times we come together and worship worship and get graced to stand and it is talking about overcoming temptation isn't it it's talking about overcoming those weaknesses get God's ability, His divine ability in you, His grace that will cause you to rise up in victory and stand in the evil day. Amen. God is so good. God is so good.